What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football, sports betting, and NASCAR home. I am your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. With me, once again, to break everything down, uh, it's Brian Twining. What's up, Brian? What's up, Kyle? I just had to say I had to come show up rocking my old school Jay Novacek jersey to give props to my Dallas Cowboys, even though they got their butts spanked on the Hall of Fame game. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I saw you walk in with that and I was like, uh, uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the only jabroni not looking, not looking cool, especially after last night's game where these Pittsburgh Steelers played your Dallas Cowboys this is a OG Cordell Stewart Jersey. I've had for probably 20 years now. It, it, it really makes me feel old when I think about that, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, thought it would be a good, a, a fun little, little shenanigans for us to get into early. Uh, today we're talking flag plant players, Brian. We got each got three names that we're going to die that we want to dive into three guys that are in a perfect, like in a perfect world, we're not leaving drafts without, if we can avoid it. Like if someone's going to go crazy and draft in two rounds ahead of ADP, um, then maybe at that point we don't get there. Um, but our goal going into these drafts is to get as many shares of these players as we can, um, whether it's best ball, whether it's season long, um, all that good stuff. So, Brian, I will give you the T, and I will let you go with your first option, which is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, we're using FantasyData.com for all this, their PPR ADP. He is your running back 13. He is the 17th player overall. Uh, talk to me about CEH and, and your excitement for him. Yeah, I, I'm i just really, really excited to see the way he's grown in this offense after seeing Kansas City seldomly used him over the over the duration of last year. I mean, we saw late last year, they just started to rotate Daryl Williams in, and of late, there's more talk about Daryl Williams is going to have a role, and Jarek McKinnon is really showing out as a receiver. Poo-poo, all that crap. They did not go up into the, into the first round to draft this guy, and he did not get compared to Brian Westbrook by Andy Reid because they're not going to use him as a player that they want to get the ball in his hands 15 to 20 times per game. I just yeah. think that this year in this offense with a probably an improved offensive line for Patrick Mahomes, I think they get a little more committed to the running game. We start to see Clyde Edwards Hilaire approach 200 carries. Um, he was already on pace for about 70 targets last year before he, he, he missed three of the three games over the regular season. So I think that if we get a full season out of him, I just don't understand. We went from him going in the top 10 last year to now he's going. I mean, the drop is ridiculous at how much further back he's gone. He's not even in the top 12 of running backs right now, according to fantasy data. He's 13th right behind Antonio Gibson, right in front of Joe Mixon. So this is a guy that if I'm picking near the back end of the first round, I will happily jump the gun, take him, and then get back into the wide receiver room in the with my next pick in the second round. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, both of us traditionally lean a wide receiver heavy early. I think CEH is absolutely someone that if you want to go wide receiver, grab a running back and then, you know, hammer wide receiver and tight end from there out, uh, I think makes a ton of sense. I'm optimistic like you on what CEH. It's funny, I'm 
thinking about Najee and how he how early he's going and wondering if maybe we're you know like a year early on him they they still ran the hell out of him so i'm still optimistic that he he can be fun but it, it is funny that like um that basically you can be you can be so sought after and then not quite live up to that and all of a sudden nobody wants you like obviously they you know he's going <laughs> in the second round I'm not saying that uh... but like it's funny how the how fast the narrative can change in 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 a quote unquote down season. He was going as RB five or six last year, as opposed to right now RB fourteen. So that yeah. just goes to show you the drastic difference. In this is a guy that's going to get red zone work. He's going to get involved in the passing game. Passing game is so crucial for elite rushing seasons, and a big part of why Brian and I are both optimistic. Um, I'm not quite as optimistic as Brian because I tend to find myself dra- drafting other names, but um, I, I definitely see the path to a, a monster season. Um, I, like you, start, I'm going to start out with running back, Brian, and I, I feel really gross about it, but Antonio Gibson, RB12, 16th overall, um, you know, in, in some of my underdog drafts, he's been kind of in that first round, late first, early second round turn. That's kind of about where he goes pretty consistently, and I'm I'm smashing it anytime I can. I told you I did one today. Started Zeke. Started as Antonio Gibson was it was doing backflips to have that start. I don't traditionally love that, but um, I was very excited with kind of kind of the direction um, he's going. But this is a player that at Memphis was a wide receiver for all intents and purposes, and now he's a dominant running back a running back that as the season went along saw the volume. Yes. JD McKissick will probably get a little bit of work, Um, but they did mention, I I heard a nugget on, I forget which podcast I would give them credit. Um, This is a guy that Washington wanted to learn the running back position. So they didn't utilize him in the passing game as much as they probably wanted to just so he could kind of focus on that, get better there, and, and kind of get some of his touches there. Now heading into year two, I expect to see the, the passing game usage expanded along with the running game, seeing that volume in an offense that, you know, as as many questions as we may have about Fitzmagic with the addition of Curtis Samuel, with the addition of Fitzmagic, with Logan Thomas's breakout, with, you know, F1 Terry McLaurin there, this offense could be pretty dang good in a – a, in an NFC East that has a lot of questionable defenses and I'm buying all the Antonio Gibson I can, especially as like, if he was the one Oh three or one Oh four, like from a, from a cost standpoint, I, I don't know that I could get there, but I'd understand the the potential upside, but you're getting him basically, if you can get him in the second round as, as a guy that when we're heading into 2022 drafts could be, you know, it could be Zeke or it could be uh McCaffrey, Henry, Gibson. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, you're looking at a division that outside of their own defense, I mean, the Giants, they they took strides last year, and I do think that their defense will be difficult to move the ball on, but Dallas and Philly, they their defenses suck. And then as much crap as we talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick being a turnover machine and just taking too many chances, I think the 
the addition of him and teams knowing now that they're not going to be afraid to throw the ball is just going to open up the running game that much more for Antonio Gibson. And like you said, he's going to be implemented more in the passing game this season. So I, I don't know. I love Washington this year. A lot of people are downplaying their, their potential to repeat as champions. I think that all their numbers are far too low. I think that with Ron Rivera there as head coach, I think this whole team is set up to succeed. And Antonio Gibson being probably the major benefactor of, of all of it. Yep. Yep. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, the next name on our list, Mr. Mike Williams, wide receiver 41, 109 overall. Uh, if you did miss it, we did our late round targets for every position. And uh, Mike Williams made the cut as Brian's wide receiver, and he loved him so much he had to run it back for this. So, Brian, let's talk Mike Williams, who uh, I told as I'm, uh, I'm the underdog, underdog best ball uh, aficionado of this podcast. Um, after our discussion, I basically drafted every receiver that was on our list. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, because that's how, that's how my brain works. But yes, I, I, I'm 100% on board with this. And uh, talk to me about your Mike Williams love. Yeah, I just feel that people are downplaying the change in regime there in San, I mean, uh, L.A. for the Chargers and the potential maturation of Justin Herbert in year two. A healthy Austin Eckler, just an improved offensive line, more, more, more time for Herbert to look down the field to give the ball to Mike Williams. There's already talk of him playing the Mike Williams role or the uh, Michael Thomas role, he could turn into Mr. Slant Man, which yeah. in fantasy, I take that every day. I don't care. Um, I mean, if this guy even sees a quarter or percentage rise in target share, this guy is just going to blow up at his price at 41 o- overall from wide receiver and going 109 overall, like, you know, round nine, round 10. He's going to be on a- as many rosters that I have as possible. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all in on the Chargers offense across the board. I love Justin Herbert at his price. I love uh, Austin Eckler, and I obviously key lots of Keenan Allen. But yeah, I think Michael Williams makes a ton of sense. Uh, if you want to grab a piece of this offense, but don't necessarily want to pay the prices for the other names, I think he could be a nice value, a, a upside shot. And um, if you have value, you have like stability at the receiver, and you have say Brandon Cooks or. Tyree kill or somebody and you want a guy who could pop on certain weeks and give you monster performances. Uh, Mike Williams is absolutely that guy. And, and at wide receiver 41 and outside pick a hundred, I think you can uh, find a way to finagle him onto your rosters. Yeah. I, I almost went with the Eckler Mike Williams stack too, for my flag plant, but I, I, I didn't want to do that, but that is probably a scenario that I could see myself getting into pretty often. Yep. And if you don't want to pay the price on Eckler, you can always go a little bit to the east and pick Austin <laughs> Eckler 2.0, Mr. Chase Edmonds, yeah. running back 28, 62 overall. Uh, I am going to have a lot of Chase Edmonds. He is one of my guys this year, whether you, whatever you, my guys, flag plant, you know, must haves, whatever you want to call it. He's a guy that I will be rostering as many places as possible um was a guy that last year even in a part-time role was a you know impressive pass catcher uh had 67 targets caught 53 for 400 yards um this is an offense it's we expect to be really good kyler and uh d hop and um you know aj green and christian kirk and 
Um, all those pieces, I think Chase Edmonds will be a big piece. I know James Conner is there. I do not care. Conner will be involved with some of the short yardage stuff, but I think Edmonds will go above and beyond, see so much work in the passing game that it won't matter. And as as running back, basically, you know, outside the top 25 at the position, outside pick 50, uh, it is a guy that I'm willing to reach on a little bit. Uh, because I do believe he has tremendous upside. And by the end of the season, we're talking about him as like an RB2. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I, I'm definitely less optimistic than you as a, I fall on the side of James Conner in this one. Um, but I do think that that passing game work is what really propels Chase Edmonds into a different kind of level in terms of value, especially going RB28. When you're looking and in that range of guys, I mean... Who, who else offers that upside on a week-to-week basis when you're looking at like a Javante Williams, Raheem Mostert, uh, Michael Carter, Melvin Gordon? They're, they're all limited in their roles for their yeah. teams. Like they're kind of a single, single track role for their particular teams. Whereas Chase Edmonds is going to be splitting probably 50-50 with James Conner carries and getting probably 60-70% minimum of the passing game work. So. Yeah, I mean, to me, like I don't really – I think he, he's a DeAndre Swift that you get three rounds later. I think he's better than James than than J.K. Dobbins. Uh, as much as I love what Miles Sanders can be, there's a lot more competition for touches there. Um, yeah, and you're just looking at a guy that has the like uh, between the the work that late, late round quarterback J.J. Zacharyson did in, in terms of backfields with a lot of uncertainty, um, with some other stuff that I've read. You know, you need you need the volume in the passing game. You need four to five targets a game. You need a guy who could emerge in a high quality offense. You need a guy who's in th- typically the running back going first is the one that's more interesting. Uh, all of this points to chase Edmonds being a guy that all of a sudden we're talking about as a second or third round pick next year. And a guy who finishes at the top 12 at the position um, and somebody I won't be leaving drafts without. And the best part is, if it doesn't work out, if he's an if he's a flop or he even if he's in some sort of timeshare, like if he's in a timeshare with James Conner, I'm I'm fine with that at his cost. I think the upside's beyond that. But if if you're talking about a guy in the fifth or sixth round, especially if you want to do wide receiver heavy, he's going to have value each and every week. Um, and if he absolutely flops, then yeah, I mean, obviously it's not ideal to spend a fifth or sixth rounder, but it's also a hell of a lot easier to move on from that than drafting my you know miles sanders or jk dobbins or somebody in round two um and them flopping on the on a, on a similar level um yep. so i'm i'm 100 percent in on him uh we're gonna dig real deep for this one brian um if you checked out our tight end show you'll you'll know uh where brian is headed with this one dan arnold uh it's not qb it's tight end 35 but Tight end, 35, 359 <laughs> overall, uh, beyond free in your draft. The, 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 the drum beat is going in, in Carolina. Uh, I've, I've retweeted numerous, numerous reports already. Yes, and I'm loving every second of it. Please keep sharing those. <laughs> Because uh, that drum beat, I, I picked him up in a dynasty league. Um, I've been drafting him in best ball super late. Um, I, 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 I love this call. Yeah. I, so 
admittedly, this is definitely, I, I wouldn't call it a Homer pick as much as like, I'm praying that this turns out to be right because I've been rostering Dan Arnold in a dynasty league for the last four years, just waiting, <laughs> waiting for him to pop and get his opportunity. And last season, we finally saw what he could be yeah. with the way that the Cardinals utilized him down the field. And Early reports out of Carolina are this dude and Sam Darnold. The Darnold to Arnold connection is real in in Carolina. Darnold to D. Arnold. I love it. Dude, it's... I. I just cannot wait for him to explode onto the scene guaranteed next year, or I'm not going to guarantee this, but I definitely see him being a top 12 option at the beginning of the 2022 season at the tight end position, knowing that he's going to be in a role where he's going to see plenty of opportunity as a receiver from the position, knowing that Carolina is sick and tired of Ian Thomas. Yep. And uh, both of us were on the Ian Thomas hype train last year. That was dumb. (laughs) But the Joe Brady experiment is working, and I expect to see this guy put Dan Arnold in spots to be super productive and with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and a lot of people occupying a lot of um, eyes from the defense. Dan Arnold could be in a position to feast. And we're not saying he's going to like challenge Kelsey and Kittle and Waller. Uh, But this could be a a fringe top 12 guy You know, in deeper leagues, top 15-ish. Um, if you're in dynasties floating around a lot of waiver wires, if you're in best ball um, and you're doing the Carolina stack could be a nice way to add to that. And he's basically free. So he's free. Even if and you then- don't want to draft him, if you want to keep him on your waiver wire, um, he could be another name that just, just keep an eye on it. Just keep an eye on it and see what happens. Well- so th- this is kind of something that I, I practice pretty much every year as somebody who does not take a tight end early on in drafts is I would prefer to wait till my last pick or even if I don't have to not draft a tight end and then just let my roster evolve and wind up signing one and a guy like Dan Arnold to me fits the mold for somebody who has the potential to finish as a tight end one over the duration of the season that I can get for free and I'm going to say that right now I guarantee he finishes inside the top 12 at the position in the 2021 season love it um and yeah and it, like I I'm looking at ADP right now. Names like Noah Fant, Irv Smith, Cole Komet. Like there's names that a lot of people are, are excited about the possibility of drafting. And even if you don't draft Arnold, you draft one of those guys. And even then you take John U. Smith and they're not performing. He's a perfect fallback option that will be on waiver wires and you will be able to add. <clears throat> so I, I like that call quite a bit. Um, Brian, we couldn't do one of these shows without my final name. Like it's just, Uh-oh. It, it it's just it had to be done. <laughs> it's Daniel Jones, that's my guy. Uh, I'm gonna probably look like an idiot after the season, but there is so much potential, even with a banged up Kenny Galladay, that this guy returns top ten to fifteen. Uh, upside at the position maybe even higher i mean i've gotten a little reckless on twitter with my top five call but like i i you know (laughs) i'm not i'm not exactly predicting that but if everything clicks there if saquon's healthy if evan ingram returns to forms we've seen before if kenny g is there and sterling Shepard and darius slayton and you know we'll see about Kadarius tony he's kind of trending in the wrong direction but there's so many pieces and names and possibilities there 
that like there is a world where Daniel Jones is a top 10 to 12 guy and we're starting him every week and he's got the rushing floor for yep. safety. And I know Jason Garrett's there and I know it's terrifying. Um, no, he's not Jason Garrett. He's coach. Okay. Oh, okay. Good, good, to, good to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I just, I, there's a world where, where Daniel Jones is absolutely worth your time. You know, maybe it's super flex, maybe it's deeper leagues. Maybe it's, you know, if you, if you draft, yeah, I don't know. I draft him and then you can always fall on a Kirk cousins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Cam Newton, whatever, uh, on the waiver wire, if he looks like garbage, but I'm optimistic that he can be a difference maker this year. And at QB 27, if you want to wait to your last two picks in the draft, take Daniel Jones and Dan Arnold um, and send us a thank you letter at the end of the season. I, we won't be upset. Yeah. And I love that call with Daniel Jones because of the fact that it, I think it was last year we were coming into the season and he was a consensus top 15, top 16 guy. I want to say so. I know he kind of floundered last year, but there was really nothing on the outside for him to throw to. They had so many injuries at the receiver position that he didn't have anything. He looked kind of lost. Saquon was out for the entire year. So again, the talent is there. If everyone's healthy on the offensive side of the ball, he's got the pieces to produce the numbers. And with his wheels, he could definitely put up some, some QB one weeks. So when you're looking at guys that are going ahead of him right now, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, Justin Fields. We don't even know what kind of playing time he's going to have. Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua, Cam, Derek Carr. I mean, they all kind of fall under the same category. And when you're looking at upside, Daniel Jones has just as much upside as any of those guys. So, Yep. Yep. I love I love me some Daniel Jones this year. Not a sentence I thought I'd be uttering at this point, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I'm all aboard the, the Daniel Jones hype train. I'm driving the truck. Uh, it's pretty empty in the back, but if you want to hop on, there's still plenty of time. Um, so yeah, Daniel Jones, guy that I'm 100% on board with. Um, Brian, this was fun. Good to good to talk. Uh, good to talk some names. We will be back. Um, we'll be back breaking down our guys to fade at current ADP. Um, guys that we just don't believe in terms of what you're having to pay at the uh, at the draft table are are worth that price. Um, we have a ton of good content up on our YouTube and as well as if you're checking out on the podcast, thank you for doing that. Uh, if you're on iTunes rate review, five star really does do a lot. Share our content with as many people as you possibly can. It really, uh, does a lot to help keep this show rolling. Um, check out our latest with Harmon, check out our betting stuff, check out our NASCAR DFS stuff. Uh, we're, we're busy beavers in August and, uh, trying to make as much free content as we possibly can for you. That's Brian Twining. I'm Kyle Robert, and we'll talk to you guys next time.